it is a new year. And, and I had a message prepared, uh, or was in the process of preparing, and uh, I'm not going to be sharing that message this morning. I uh, want to talk a little bit about some, something happening here in our body. Um, I guess we'll do next, next this year's message next year, because it was a new year, a new you, E-W-E. Some of you got that. Yeah. Um, but uh, again, if you're visiting this morning, I, uh, I want to welcome you to our, our family and a family moment here. And um, just, I want to give an update. We've been praying for Linda Stengel. Or you, you, a few weeks ago, we mentioned that she was going. Uh, she, she had a mass, and we didn't know what it was. Um, she's been in the hospital the entire time since before Christmas. Um, actually about a, a week before Christmas and the diagnosis came out last week that she has stage 4 cancer and it, had, it has uh, metastasized at that point when the announcement came out we didn't know where it had metastasized to and it took a few more days getting tests done over Christmas kind of a slow go she's actually down at Kaiser so I've been down at Kaiser uh, a few times in the last couple of weeks, Shannon and I and Bob Taylor. And, but uh, um, this week, uh, there's an update on the report, and Linda's kidneys are um, shutting down. And the doctor is pretty much saying that, that chemo will not do anything for her situation. And so the diagnosis as of yesterday was that with the cancer, they give her about 6 to 12 months. But because of the kidney failure, and the cancer has moved also to the liver and to a number of other organs, the uh, prognosis is, is probably much shorter than that. Um, it, it, as she's in some type of kidney failure at the moment, we don't know the level. They, they didn't give all the details yesterday. Um, we have some nurses in here who, who will verify this information. And when you're in kidney failure uh, and they're at this time choosing not to do dialysis, um, we're looking at a couple of weeks at the long side. And so this is absolutely a shock. And um, as as in the hospital when they got the, the word yesterday, the the, the the, the word um, from the doctor that that it's very short um, and, and depending on how the uh, kidneys shut down quickly if they shut down quickly um, it, it can happen actually it could happen in less than a week you know, so we, that, that's just an unknown right now now here's, here's what I want to encourage us um, we're going to pray and we're going to pray until there's nothing left to pray for. So because in a moment like this, prayer, absolutely, you can't, you can't go wrong. You have everything to gain and absolutely nothing to lose to pray. The Bible calls us to pray, to pray in faith. So I'm going to encourage us in the midst of, of uh, hearing this news and, and grief, to pray and to keep praying because God can heal God can extend life God can change things in a moment but uh, the time and the word today and the message we're going to talk about uh, moments like this in life but let's spend a couple minutes and pray just going to open it up um, if you want to pray just pray alright we're just going to just spend the next three to five minutes praying for Linda and the family I don't think even all the family understands the gravity of this and I, and I, and I did call and talk to Joe again this morning and so uh, we're even praying for some things to happen Linda's daughter Becky and granddaughter Lexi live up in Reno area and they need to get down here and so we're praying that how that's going to happen. I mean, it's New Year's Day. 
So we're going to pray for those things to open up too if we could. So again, let's just spend a couple minutes and, and anyone just feel free to pray, please. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says that there is a time for everything. To everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. And it goes on and it talks about the different parts of life. And there is a season for everything. And, and New Year's Day, we say Happy New Year, and yet, for those of us who know Linda, it's not much of a happy day. How do we reconcile this life? All of us have a point of view and a place that we process information through if you're in here and, you, and, and you're a person of faith and, and you have a relationship with Jesus you have a theology and that's a big word and you say well I've never studied theology you don't have to study theology to have a theology you have one and that's the understanding of God that you have you have a, a viewpoint a world view if you will and that includes the things of how God fits into um, the way you view the world. Now, the problem is, is that our viewpoint isn't always right. It's just our viewpoint. And, and each of us will have a different one. And, and the longer you spend with people, you can listen to them pray and talk and read scriptures. You can listen to them the way they counsel other people and the way they approach issues. And you can begin to learn about their worldview, their theology, and what they believe about God. Nothing brings up uh, this idea of, of our worldview and our theology more than a crisis and a tragedy. And so this morning, I want to talk to us about this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface something r real quick this morning because I, I was thinking, many of you over the years have said things to me during a time of crisis. You, you may have said something to somebody else. You may think that you have said something to me and you didn't uh, th that I'll refer to today. And I want to tell you, you are not the only person who's ever said that to me. Because I don't think I've ever heard anything that's a new statement. One, one, one statement that will be made about this, uh, what's happening with Linda, it'll be uh, made more often about a young person who dies, and it's something like this. And if you've said this, please don't be offended at what I'm about to say, and I'm not picking on you individually. But I want to I help us to get to a point where we uh, have a, a slightly better understanding of the Word of God in Scripture today to go through crises like this. And statements like this, though they mean well, uh, are what I'm talking about. Well, they, they died, but that's because God needed another angel in heaven. And it sounds really sweet. And again, if you've said that, I, I, I don't mean to offend you. Hogwash. That, that's not why somebody dies. There's a whole theological reason. The first one is that people don't turn into angels. Angels are angels and people are people. The second one is, is you tell that to somebody who's grieving the loss of their child, and, and, and what you said is that you're not important to God, your child was important to God, and so God took your child away from you, but you can go suck a rock. Now, you don't mean to ever say that to someone. You would never, ever say that. Why do we say those things? Because we're trying to figure out these questions of life. The title of this message, that I, it's not an original title. It's actually, it, it's, it's something that we all have said, and there's actually a book by, by the same name of what I'm titling to this morning's message, and that's simply, When God Doesn't Make Sense. Which is often... Truthfully, God makes, doesn't make sense too often for many of us. Anytime you've gone through a crisis or a tragedy or watched somebody go, go through something, we, we're trying with all of our might to make sense and understand why God did that. 
And there is a danger in there. There's a danger in trying to figure out what the king of the universe was thinking when something happened. The truth is, we were talking about this yesterday in the car, if we can figure out what God was thinking and what God is thinking all the time, then, then God's not very spectacular. If, if my finite mind can understand the things of God, then, then the things of God are not very infinite, are they? So there's going to be a lot of times in our life when God truly doesn't make sense. But what I want to talk about this morning is just lead us through a time of the scriptures and, and give us a little bit of a, uh, maybe a firm, a firm footing uh, so that at the end, the, the point is, is not that we'll understand what's happening. I mean, you know, Joe and, Joe and Linda were going to take their first out-of-state vacation in, in like 20 years when, when she got sick and went into the hospital. She had no idea that she's had this cancer for who knows how long, a year more. She goes to the doctor all the time for her diabetes. They, they, they've never found this. She's had stomach problems. They went into the doctor and they didn't find this. And instead, their week that they could have been in Hawaii was the beginning of the hospital stay. Now, if, if you're like most people, most of us would say, God, couldn't you have waited like even one week? Just one week. Wouldn't that be wonderful if they could have gone on this trip, come back, and, 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 and at least had that as the last memory together? And, and we begin to get onto dangerous territory because we begin to think for God. And, and so we want to spend a little bit of time. And, and, and uh, there's a book. I highly recommend it. There's others out there, but this is actually called When God doesn't make sense. I think every Christian should have it, read it. Um, it helps. But what it doesn't do is do what we want it to do, and that's to answer the question, why did this happen? See, th that's not the purpose of the message or the book, is, is to bring an answer. Too many people try to bring an answer when too often there isn't an answer. There's some generalities that we can understand that um, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world where death, disease, is part of that fallen world. We live in a world where we don't always get what we want. Anyone say amen to that? <laughs> Anyone ever have any unanswered prayer? Had some of those? Um, that, that's actually a misnomer. God answers all prayer. He just doesn't always say yes. Sometimes he says no. And sometimes he answers in such a way that we don't hear him at all. I want to talk a little bit about that this morning too. There's, there's really a lot I'm going to try to touch in a short time. Um, no, no pat answers but an understanding of the scriptures. There are people, and, and good-meaning good people, um, even whole denominations who have a, a theological view um, that gives answers for times of tragedy. And if you hold, hold one of these views, I apologize if I, if I offend you, um, but I believe that the word of God has to be um, our basis for everything. I've run into people and teachings over the years that have said things like, well, the reason they didn't get healed is because they must have had some sin in their life. Hey, sounds good to me because it just, at least we got something to blame, right? The truth is we all want to blame something, someone, somewhere. I've thought about blaming the doctors for not catching this with Linda. How come they couldn't have caught this? Maybe we could blame Linda. When was the last time she got an exam? You know, she's in her 60s. Maybe she should have had a, had a better examination. Well, maybe this, maybe that. See, if, if, if you're like the majority of people, if you'll allow yourself, you're, you're coming to some conclusions like, yeah, I've done that, and I do that. We're looking for, because we're trying to make sense when there isn't any. 
And that's understandable. So we want to go and, and, and find out how we can live in this life. So some people might blame sin. Uh, uh, some people might say, well, it wasn't necessarily a sin in your life, but you just didn't have enough faith. You know, if, you're, if you would have had more faith, God would have healed them. Well, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is extremely important. We have to have faith. We have faith in God. We don't have faith in our faith. You know, if we think we have, you know, just have enough faith that everything turns out for good. Did you know if, if, if just simply by having faith that you always got what you wanted for, it wouldn't be faith anymore because you would know you would get it? Did you follow that? See, if you know that you're actually going to receive something positively, it's not faith. It's knowledge. So it's not faith. So therefore, we have a, maybe a, a, a poor understanding of what that faith is. So, so it, um, but again, it gives us something to blame. You know, it, it wasn't the faith. And I thought, well, you know, what about Jairus' daughter who was dead? She didn't have any faith, and yet she lived. So somebody else's faith is enough. Okay, that's good. So, so if anyone ever tells you you're sick because, you, hey, you know, that's okay. I don't have enough faith, but you have enough faith for me. So then I should be healed. And if I'm not healed, it's your fault. <laughs> See, I like the center row because I'm pointing at it back in there. Right? And, and so, of course, of course, we're not going to say that, but there's this understanding. So, so no, we're trying to f- make sense when God in his understanding, his knowledge, his sovereignty. We're throwing out as many words as we can. Hasn't revealed it to us. All of us have stories. I've of times when just things didn't make sense. You know, and, 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 and we, we're really good. Ho- hopefully we're, uh, d- don't share this with a lot of people, but we're really good at figuring out why heathens have bad problems because they're unsaved. The Bible does say that he will walk with us and he'll be our, our foreguard. So there's, there's truth in this. But, but what do we do when a Christian, something bad happens to a Christian? There was a man in the 60s he was a doctor. His name was Paul Carlson. He had a lucrative practice, and some of you may have heard of him because he's actually um, from the uh, Southern California area, Redondo Beach. Gave up his practice. He became a missionary doctor in the Congo in the 60s. And uh, it's still bad, but it's, it's always been bad over there. And he spent a, a number of years serving, serving there with his family. And he had made up a makeshift clinic. He, he dropped his uh, lucrative salary in Redondo Beach to a $3,000 a year income working in the Congo. And even in the 60s, I think doctors were making more than that. So he's serving, and he became involved just by his presence in a bloody conflict between two regimes in the Congo and was actually captured in his family. An opportunity came for him to escape and a number of people were were escaping and he was climbing the wall to get out of this camp when at the top of the wall the rat-tat-tat of the machine gun killed him. No more Dr. Paul, who gave his life and his career and his salary to serve God in the Congo. And we could think, God, it wouldn't have taken much for that machine gunner to be distracted. We've got friends who smuggled Bibles into China, who standing in line, the Chinese government, they would search all their bags and they would just pray and and time and time again the stories would come that right before they got through the inspection 
something would happen and all the guards would rush down to another aisle and everyone would just be able to walk in. God is good at doing things like that and distracting. So why on that night for Dr. Paul Carlson couldn't God have even sent a little mosquito? You try to fire your gun with a mosquito shooting around your ear. They're it wouldn't have taken much. A little sweat, a noise, and yet he didn't. How, how do we... How do we deal with the loss of life and, and, and tragedies that Linda's going through with cancer? With People go through as they've dedicated their life to serving God in a foreign country. They get mowed down. If, they, if God would have allowed him to be there, how many more hundreds or thousands would have Dr. Carlson been able to treat and to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Sometimes God doesn't make sense. And there's really just no good answers. And I want to encourage us to stop to stop trying to always find an answer. We need to what, see our, our, what our, we need to do is more and more begin to trust God. Let me read a little article that was actually um, in Time Magazine about this. Dr. Carlson's murder, along with the massacre of perhaps another hundred whites and thousands of blacks, had a special tragic meaning. He symbolized all the white men, and there are many who want nothing from Africa but a chance to help. He was no saint and no deliberate martyr. He was a highly skilled physician who, out of a strong Christian faith and a sense of common humanity, had gone to the Congo to treat the sick. There's Time Magazine about this doctor. And that sums it up quite well. In other words, what? That's, that's all we can, we can say and ask sometimes. Huh? I don't get it. God's not making sense. What I want to help us, encourage us, is to, to, to get to the point where we trust God and that we don't always need an answer. See, when we have a theology and a belief system that gets broken, we become betrayed, and then the result is often a faith that flounders watch many people go through trials and they stand firm through the trial. And I want to say that likely what's happening in those moments is that their theology leaves room for the unanswered question and leaves room for tragedy. But if we have a theology and an understanding uh, that is, is not biblical and not true, when we go through a tragedy, it's going to shake our faith. For instance, if we believe that God always heals everyone and somebody doesn't get healed, what do we do with that? Well, what we do is what I talked about a minute ago. We find somebody to blame because it's easier to blame somebody than to blame God for not living up to what we think is his promise. But the truth is he never promised to heal anybody, everybody, all the time. He does promise that in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In fact, before he said that, this is John sixteen thirty three. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Job had some problems. <laughs> Moses had some problems. David, read the Psalms. He had some problems. Some of these writers of the Bible have said things like, God, where are you? I am rotting away on the inside. Yeah some problems and God wasn't always quick to hear them but what I love about the Psalms is that David's approach was that yet I will trust you whenever he was going through something, he wasn't afraid to actually talk about it with God and say God I haven't I can't find you I don't know where you're at but yet I choose I will trust you I will put my hope in God I lift my eyes up to the mountains where does my help come from it comes from you 
And I'm going to continue to trust and put my faith in you, even though. The three is the, the, the three Israelite children thrown in the fire. Man, they are a great example of faith. O king, we will not bow down to you, and the Lord will save us from this fire. And even if he doesn't. Have you read it? This is what they say. And even if he doesn't, we will praise him. We won't serve your God. See, see, they, they prayed, they had faith that God would save them, but they left room to say, and even if he chooses not to answer my prayer the way I want him to answer it, I will trust in God. Well, we can only have that approach to life in understanding if our, our, our faith is built on the Word of God, not just on our feelings. I want to challenge all of us today who have called on the name of the Lord to become people of the Word of God. I want to challenge you the next time somebody uh, has a question about, about faith and your answer is something similar to this. I just feel like in my heart of hearts that God would not do that. And I want to apologize. That, that, that had more tone than, than I, should have, I should have had it. There's an issue with what you just said. Your heart of hearts doesn't know the want, will and mind of God. Your heart of hearts, the Bible says, is deceitfully wicked. It's based on emotion. It's based on experience. Which I don't know about what's happened in your life for you, but when I trust my own experience and my own emotions, it gets me into trouble. That's why when, when, when we're really emotional, it's really good to go to somebody else and say, hey, help me see this. Am I seeing this clearly? Because I'm kind of hot under the collar right now. Why are we not supposed to make decisions when we're all amped up and, and angry or upset? Because we know that they're not going to probably come out to be a very good decision. If you're, if you're married, you've, 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 been, you've been taught, you know, tr you know nighttime is, is really dangerous territory. You start getting in a fight, and the best thing sometimes actually is to say, you know what, we're too emotional right now. It's too late. We don't have our wits about us. Let's continue this later. Who's ever been in a late-night situation, and you just, the next day, you don't, you don't even have to have alcohol. And the next day, you're like, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Because you were your 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 mind was weak. There, there was a weakness in you, and you were led, uh, in a sense, astray by feelings and, and stuff. So so it's not enough to just say I believe in my heart of hearts that God wouldn't do that. So I want to challenge and encourage you that you would become a person of the Word. And when when you when you have that under that thought and that idea of going, I just don't believe God would do that. That you would actually go find out if that's true. Would God do that? What does the nature and character of God say about that situation? Find out what the Word says and stand on the Word of God. And what a better place than to be able to go back to that same person and say, the Bible says, instead of, I just believe in my heart of hearts. Because for everything that you believe in your heart of hearts, there is somebody who believes the exact opposite in their heart of hearts. But we stand on the word. When trials come, we have to look to the word of God to be our solid foundation. We have to see the nature and character of God and sometimes just put our trust in him. There was a, a young Indian, a Native American boy who had to pass a, uh, he ha had to go through his rite of passage and one, one of the things he had to do was go out at, at night into the wilderness and sit on a stump blindfolded all night long and he couldn't move. And I've been out in the wilderness late at night. You hear everything and, and, and there's something is always about to come and eat you. You know what I mean? It just, it's, it's coming. This young boy sat. He was scared. You hear the crackle in the bush. 
and he couldn't look to see, is it a, a raccoon or a cougar? And he had to sit all night long, all alone in the darkness. But he stayed his heart and he stayed his mind and he sat on that stump all night long. And when he felt the sun begin to rise and beat on his face, he knew that he had passed the test. He took off his blindfold so he could walk back to the community. And as he did that, he saw his father sitting on a rock just 15 feet away. Dad, what are you doing? He says, son, I never left you. I was here all night. Sometimes we can't hear God. Sometimes we don't know where he's at. But he's there. Why doesn't he always answer our prayer? That I wish I could tell you. John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, the first to proclaim, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was privy to the deep things of God and he knew, he saw Jesus and and it was revealed to him that that was the Lamb of God, that that was the Messiah. And what a better position to be in than to be cousins with the Messiah. I mean, come on, right? You know, we all like to name drop. I once met Patrick Swayze, which I did, you know, say, oh man, helped him change the tire and everything. Wow, really cool. The Messiah, Son of God, my cousin. In in Mark chapter 6, John the Baptist is arrested. In Matthew chapter 11, we find a, a discourse where John is in prison and he sends word to Jesus. He says, go ask Jesus, are you the one who was to come or should we expect another? Why is John asking that? John sitting in the river. Here comes Jesus. It's revealed to him, behold, the Lamb of God, the only one who called Jesus the Lamb of God. He understood who this was. He knew this is the Messiah who takes away the sin of the world. What has changed in John's heart, mind, and everything for him to go, go and say, are you the one? You know what changed? John's in prison. Come on, this is the Son of God. He's cousins. Can't Jesus, like, do something and get them out of prison? And we see later on that God's really good about getting people out of prisons. You know, he caused people to go blind and chains fall off and doors fly open. And here, John the Baptist is stuck in prison. So he's doubting. But all he needs is the word. You're the one. He just needs to that little encouragement. Well, you know, it doesn't get better, unfortunately, for, for, for John. In Matthew chapter 14, the wife of Herod's daughter dances for Herod. And it probably wasn't ballet. And it pleased Herod so much that he says, tell me what do you want up to half the kingdom. And he says, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And so Jesus showed up with all of his angels and they kicked booty everywhere and they got John the Baptist out and it was a great end of chapter 15. That's not what happens. John the Baptist is beheaded when God doesn't make sense. Now we read these stories and we have no problem believing in God. Kierkegaard says, faith is holding on to uncertainties with passionate conviction. We're going to have to raise up our faith and say, God, I don't understand what's going on. And I'm not going to try to make up some excuse for it. I'm just going to choose to trust you. God has a few answers when we pray, and he, and he wants us to pray. James 5.16 says, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 
First Chronicles says, look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face. Always, I have a page of these scriptures, I won't read them all, of, of God's command to us to pray. Pray always, pray with all types of prayers. He wants us to be people of prayer. So he wants us to be people of prayer, but sometimes his answer is yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's wait. And sometimes we don't hear the answer. Reuben, Reuben Welch, he's a, he's a minister and missionary. He said something that really stood out to me. He says, with God, even when nothing is happening, something is happening. If we could leave with that today, with God, even when nothing is happening, something is happening. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? Put your hope in God. Now, this isn't, this isn't false hope. This isn't uh, just put on a smiley face. In fact, it's okay to weep and mourn. There's a time for everything. So this isn't about when things are going bad, just pretend that they're not going bad and say everything's good. This is, wow, the circumstances here are pretty bad. Yet will I trust you, God. And I don't understand, but I'll put my hope and trust in you. You want to see the end of things? Read the end of the spear, the story of Jim Elliot and the crew, the missionaries who were with the the Indians, and in, I believe it was in Ecuador. Years later, the village came. Indians. Sometimes we don't see the answer for a year or two or five or ten or twenty of what the purpose in the suffering was. And sadly, there'll be some experiences in life that you may just never see the why. But if we'll put our faith and trust in Him, say, God, you're not making any sense. This situation is not making any sense. But I'm going to choose to trust you because I see in your word that you're good. Philippians chapter 4 is an important passage for us to see and understand. And we'll, be, we'll close in just a moment. We quote most of this. We usually don't quote it together. Verse 6, chapter 4 says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God that's, the, that's one of the scriptures you hear often you, and it, it just stops right there and in our mind verse 7 says and God will answer your prayer and do exactly what you want him to do right I mean, that's, that's, that's how we feel that's what we want to happen verse 7 talks nothing about the answer of prayer. He tells us with all of, with, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then he stops talking about the prayer and the results of the prayer. Instead, says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We're looking for a yes when we need to be looking for the peace of God to guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus and leave the yes or the no or the wait to the King of Kings. I'll guarantee that every one of us sitting in this room today has had a moment where we really, really, really wanted something to go a certain way. And six months later, six years later, we said, God, thank you that you did not give me what I wanted. That hunk of hunk of burning love that you knew when you were in high school <laughs> turned out to be a, a pot-bellied, no-good 40-year-old, you know, and you're like, oh, thank you, God, that you didn't give me that one. 
True. The peace of God which passes understanding will guard our heart. And that's what we need to, to look for. We need to be people who wouldn't trust our emotions, put faith and trust in God instead. And be okay that God is God and I am not. People come to me at least on a regular basis and say things like, well, isn't this how God works? And What would God do in this situation? And Taken from the sage of sage, Avery Whitaker. I can't pretend to be an expert on how God works. I don't know how God works. He, he blows my mind regularly. But I'm going to choose to trust Him. I'm going to stay faithful until the end. And, and we have encouragement that this life and its momentary troubles and trials will pass away. The trump will sound and we're, we're out of here. And we will be forever with the Lord. That's what the Bible promises. Now I want to say that spending time with Linda yesterday, it was just shock. Believe it or not, I had no words. You're thinking, I wish you had no words now. <laughs> I sat with her. We prayed. She's processing best as you can process understanding that her mind might only be able to process for a few days before the toxins in the body would shut, begin to shut other systems down she knows where she's going we talked about it she's okay she's not happy she, she has a husband and children, grandchildren. She knows where she's going. She will be better than okay. If God doesn't raise her up, and we're going to keep praying until there's nothing left to pray for, we're going to ask God. There's nothing wrong with asking God as long as you know it's not contrary to His will. And we don't know that he, he, we, we don't know that he's declared that, that, that he, Linda's heaven-bound, so we're going to pray for healing. He might say no, but we're going to ask. We're going to let our request made known to God. If he takes her home, she's going to be better than okay. Finally, completely healed. It's been a long time that she, that she was able to dance with Brandon. We'll be left behind to, to deal with it love one another and pick up the pieces. So we're going to encourage one another to do that. With the family and with, with one another there's a lot of good friends. For those, again, who, who are maybe unsure, you know, Linda Stengel is a, a lifelong friend, been a part of this church. She's also one of our elders. So when we heard the scripture earlier for the elders to lay hands, I thought, you know, they're laying hands on themselves. Shannon and I did. We went down and laid hands on her and prayed for her. That's enough. Let's pray. God, I am grateful for the time of worship that we had this morning. Um, the song spoke to this moment, trusting in you. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. God, a lot of things happen in life that we don't understand. We want to put our faith and hope and trust in you. God, I pray that you would cause us to be people who would immerse ourselves in the word of God to understand your character and your nature more. 
to know the things that please you, that displease you, to know you better. God, to have our faith and hope in the right places and in truth, not just in emotions. That when the storms come, we'll weather them with the body of Christ and our faith and hope in you and in the word of God. God, I would pray for comfort for each and every one of us today. God, in the midst of tragedy, there's others who are, have other reasons to have joy and celebration. For there is a time for everything and a purpose. God, be with us in this day and in, in this new year. I pray that we would be and draw closer to you as we walk on this journey of faith. That, God, that, that we would sh be able to shine the light of hope to those who are hopeless, that we'd be able to, to bring light in the darkness, not because we have all the answers, but because we know the king of the universe. We know the one who has all the answers. Father, we pray your, your blessing and we commit ourselves afreshly to you. And we, church, we, today's a communion Sunday and we actually have communion set up. I'm going to ask a couple guys just to pass out all the elements. So we'll just be, be together for about three or four more minutes together. And then, so if we can just do that, thanks. Because the time of communion that we're about to have, and we're just... We don't have to say amen always because we just can be in a time of prayer and in meditation still, but the communion that we celebrate is God's covenant with us. Covenant that he would never leave us or forsake us. That he would walk with us through all the, the trials. That his covenant is that, that he's prepared a place for us to be with him forever and eternity. As the elements come out, just hold on to them for a moment. We'll eat together in a minute. Communion is so it reminds us that Jesus Christ did all the work for us. That all we have to do is put our faith and hope and trust in Him and we receive all the benefits. He walks with us. He gives us hope, life, and light. He writes our name in the Lamb Book of Life. Thank you, Greg. I'm probably over half done with my life. 46. I don't know if God has it to me to live to 100. I remember when I was young and looking ahead at life, it seems like so long. But anyone who's kind of gotten over the 40 hump and the 50 hump and the 60 hump, you went, wow, life is short. Some of us are counting down. You're like, wow. Oh, we got so many years left on this earth that's true but we have forever ever ever the presence of our king where there's no more death no more sickness that's what his covenant is about church we have to put our focus on him our faith in him and walk this life for him if someone didn't get juice or cracker, go ahead and raise your hand and they'll come by. I do need a, um, some bread when, I, when you guys are The last night with his disciples, they had no idea what was coming. None. I mean, they're like, we're with the Messiah. He's going to go and he's going to rule and reign in this world in Jerusalem. We're not going to be under Roman rule anymore. And he's together. And he says, hey, this bread is my body broken for you. You don't want to hear those words. This cup is a new covenant in my blood shed for you. Wouldn't be there till the next day that they were getting this. And sometime later they fully grasped it. But Jesus was saying, listen, Times will be tough and we've taken away for a while, but I'm doing it for you. 
And if I don't leave, I can't send the Comforter to live in me, the Holy Spirit. Today we all have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Our names can be written in the Lamb's Book of Life because of His sacrifice for us. Father, we thank You for sending Jesus Christ to die for our sin. God, we thank You that You saw each and every one of us individuals and had us in mind when you sent Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you endured the cross, despising its shame because you knew that that was the only way that we would live forever with you in paradise. That hope and faith would not be complete without the sacrifice. And we thank you that you broke your body, that you allowed your body to be broken for us. We receive your covenant, your commitment, and we thank you for it as we take the bread together. It's your blood that cleanses me. It's your blood that gives me life. It's your blood that washes whiter than the snow. Jesus, thank you for your blood that we might have life thank you for your death that Linda will live again if you don't raise her physical body up that she will live again soon with you God and we put our hope and trust in you that we will also live forever with you we thank you for your blood in Jesus name the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name, Jesus, worship Your holy together on Friday and worship Him. Friday night at 6 o'clock, come for a time of worship. Love one another. Grieve with one another. Hold each other. Pray. Amen. God bless you. See you this week in your life groups.